All right, what is going on, guys? Welcome back to another just Malaga Drive podcast. It's actually been way, way, way too long since I've actually sat down and talked some hoop. I uh, I definitely got to be better about that. I'm going to be better about it. We're going to make sure we get it one in at least a week. Um, and I got Tyler here, the, my good buddy Tyler, back, a uh, longtime vet of the podcast. And we are going to just do our best. A lot has happened. I, again, Tyler, this is my first one since even the NBA season has started. Um, but we're going to do our best right now to just recap everything we've seen, go over the MVP, go over the rookie um, of the year um, odds, and and then just go through the biggest storylines of the NBA. So, uh, Ty, I hope you're doing well, bro, and I'm, I'm glad to have you back, bro. I'm excited to be back. It's been a long time. we got a lot to talk about. we got a lot to talk about, bro. So let's just jump right into it right away. I wanted to start just with – we'll start with the rookies, and then we'll go – to MVPs, and then I think um, from there we can go on to the to the other bigger storylines. Um, let's start with the rookies. Right now, I will tell you guys, Lamelo Ball is the favorite. He's minus one ninety. I don't know if I'd have him minus one ninety. Still think there's other ways some guys can can sneak into the picture and already have snuck into the picture. Um, but what have been your biggest takeaways from Lamelo Ball? Because I know uh, for me, and and actually, I'd love to hear even for you what you kind of what you're I mean no one can really know right coming in it's all somewhat of a shit show um but I I personally like the mellow watching his tape in Australia I know it's Australia I know it's not the NBA but you could just see when he was balling that there was just a certain level of skill and, and a certain level of control of the ball that you just don't see and again it you you never quite know because it's australia but the dude almost averaged a triple double in less than 30 minutes in australia and i was like for me i i know it was a a low floor high ceiling type of deal but i i was pretty high on him and and if i were the t wolves i know hindsight's 2020 but you can you can roll back the tapes i was saying i would have taken Lamelo one where were you coming into the season and, and what have you i guess taken away from these couple games from him well he's a really really exciting player to follow and to watch um i mean first thing that comes to mind is how he has kind of affected the the uh the hornets record right yeah that team was that team was atrocious last year um i don't think that they're you know going to be a a playoff team this year, but Dude, their record is on pace to be I was gonna say, last year. They could. I, I would not be shocked if they're the eighth seed or seventh seed. They could. Um, but no, I mean, uh, you, obviously watching some tape of him in Australia, it was very clear, at least to me, that he didn't really care, you know, to be putting on a, a crazy performance, but he was still doing it, right? I mean, yeah. he was averaging what, what what you say a triple double. Yeah, I think it was like watch the games. Yeah, he he would just be pulling up from like forty feet just because fuck it, like he could. He was playing in Australia. <laughs> he he was uh, the best player on that team as a seventeen year old. Right, and so I'm not sure if that potentially turned off teams at the top of the draft boards. Um, and and to be fair, he went three. He, he did go three, but um, the T Wolves. Trying to, 
trying to think like you know maybe the way he acted the way he played when he was over there in australia maybe yeah. turned teams off or made him think that he didn't really have a passion for hoops um but immediately i mean you mm-hmm. see when he's getting minutes he's making an impact and i mean to be able to i'm not sure if i've ever seen anybody his size that young make an impact on the boards like he does yeah it's incredible mm- my my two because I want to go back to a point you just made because I think it's really interesting in in that you said passion for hoops because the guy that the T Wolves took that was a huge question I, I don't know if you saw I don't know if you remember but there was a quote that came out and I love Anthony Edwards as a person I think he's hilarious and I think although I would have taken Lamelo I, I still think you know that wasn't necessarily a bad pick. Um, but that quote, there was a quote that came out before the draft that where Anthony Edwards actually said like football is my passion. Like if I was good enough to, if I was this good at football, I would be playing football. And, and for me, that was a little bit of a turnoff just because of like, you look at the top, essentially if you're drafting a number one guy, you, you want that guy to be a superstar. I mean, there are ways I guess in which it could turn out where he's not a superstar where it's still okay. But I think in general, if you're drafting number one, you want a superstar. And and for me, I feel like all these superstars in this league, they love this game. They love the game for the game. They're as good as they are because they've worked on their craft and they've only worked on their craft as hard as they have because they genuinely love it. And so that was my biggest thing uh, with with Anthony Edwards and, and LaMelo Ball. And, and going back to what you said earlier, I think it's been incredible to see because I was high on LaMelo Ball but I still didn't think he would be an impactful player this quickly. And, and there's ways in which you can, you know, stuff a stat sheet and still not be impactful or maybe as impactful as that stuffing of the stat sheet would suggest. But I would say he's genuinely, he's done a great, and another thing, it's not easy to come in as a rookie off the bench and as a point guard and just play, you know, like the mental aspect of, of doing that is, is really, really difficult. And so to see him have some of these games, I mean, triple doubles off the bench, playing, well, he's playing with Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham. Like, that, it's not super easy to, to you know, say, like. Not only come in and play point guard in the league, but come into the league alongside two other ball-dominant guards. Exactly. Guys trying to make names for themselves in the league. That's such a good have, point. You know. Lamelo that comes in the highly touted number three pick, um, and they you know, want to play with him. You know, definitely. Like I you mean, can tell he, some of the passes that he makes. You can just tell. Like I, I mean, yeah, I was watching, I was watching a video where he he had some pass to Gordon Hayward the other night, and <laughs> yep. you can tell whipped that it with the right Gordon hand. Hayward was just perplexed that the ball was even coming his direction. Yeah, because starting point guards can't make a lot of the passes he makes, and. And I think that was the thing that just jumped off the the paper for me was just like the the understanding of the game of basketball that he already has, which, I mean, I think part of that is, I mean, he's been doing it his whole life. He has an older brother who's been in the league for three, four years. I don't think that can be understated of, of how helpful that is. Um, and I, I'm, I'm all in on him. And I know Ray. Ray, I think, is the guy closest to me who just was – very low on him and it's just not a ray type of player just kind of like because he doesn't play great yeah. defense he does turn the ball over but at the same yeah, time he, he takes dumb shots i get it but he's 18 like 
if you look at where he's at at 18 and you just you just i think that's another thing people forget is like we're such a prisoner of the moment that everyone is everyone is just a prisoner of the moment and people forget that these young guys they get better at basketball like a whole summer of grinding a whole offseason like they get better at basketball and i i just think lamella ball i i imagine lamella ball at 22 23 like the guy's going to be an animal and I, I'm still not sure if his, you know, ceiling, like, like the best version of LaMelo ball is like a championship level number one guy, but I don't even really think he necessarily has to, because there's very, very few uh, of those. I'd say there's like four or five, maybe six of those, man, maybe eight. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've loved what I've seen from him, bro. And, um, I'm really, I'm really honestly happy to see, and, and it'll be interesting if, if you're a Hornets fan, I know it's, it might be a little bit of me being a warrior by, by nature, but if I'm a Hornets fan, I'm just, I'm just kind of worried. Like, is this a guy who's going to stay here past his rookie contract? You know? I don't know. I mean, uh, I've read a couple articles. It seems like he enjoys being out of the spotlight in, in Charlotte, which I mean, who knows what would have happened with Lonzo if you know, he would have gone someplace that wasn't Los Angeles. So maybe they end up, you know, making big strides, potentially making the playoffs this year or next year. Yeah. And then he turns into the type of guy that's like, this is the team that, you know, puts yeah. trust in me, puts me third overall. I, I want to I give it back. Yeah, uh, 100%. And and everything I've read too, I've, I've also heard some rumblings that he, he doesn't want to, like he'll leave when his contract's up, but like, you can't really take anything at this point and say it's worth, you know? Um, and I will say before we move on to a couple other rookies, um, every everything I've read, even from the start of the season, seems like, I, I don't know if it's James Borrego, I don't know if it's just the guys in the locker room, but it seems like every single guy there really enjoys being there and enjoys the, the group of guys that they have. Um, and that's huge. That's huge. Because there's a lot of young guys there. Like, there's a lot of ways this group on paper could go wrong. And it, I would say it's yeah. worked out pretty damn well to this point. All right. Talk to me. Talk to me about Wiseman. Yes. Let's talk about Wiseman. Um, I've watched every Warriors game. Um, don't, I'm not expecting a pat on the back, but a couple <laughs> takeaways with James Wiseman. I think one, I, I've even been impressed with the, I mean, you see right now, he is the perfect example of really fun, Really, like if you were just like playing pickup hoops, a guy you'd want, um, a guy that you can't really teach the stuff that he's doing at this age, but is not impacting winning in any way right now. I think I don't know if you saw yesterday, but um, first game where they took him out of the starting lineup. And and the reason they did that was our defense in in those first six, five minutes, five to six minutes that he was on was just not good. And, and it's just. It's I I don't even necessarily blame him. Like he's 18, he played three games in college, and now he's expected to like understand and react to the the fastest level of basketball that he's ever played. So he's he's constantly out of position. The pick and roll gives him a ton of issues, but it's like I, I, that doesn't surprise me. What I, I do love is just his size and his combo of size and agility, like. And low-key ball handling. Like, he's not – I I thought, just in terms of what I've read, what I saw, uh, people who know a lot more about basketball, 
that he would never be a plus offensive player. And there's still a chance he might not be. But from what I've seen, I mean, he's got a consistent mid-range jumper. He's got a consistent three-point jumper. Uh, consistent might be a little bit tough. But I'm saying like the baseline of where he's at already, there's a path to having a consistent jumper by the time he's in his prime. Um, and for him to already have that, and, and there's been times he's put it on the deck, gone coast to coast. There's also been times that's resulted in a charge, but just the ability to even have that in your bag kind of right now is huge. And then it's just all about now developing the tools that he has into being a winning basketball player. And he has for, he's such a well-spoken guy. I mean, he learned Mandarin. He, he's a really hard worker and I have no doubt he gets there. I'm stoked about it. If if we needed a point guard, I would have went Lamelo. But I have n- absolutely no issues uh, with the pick. I, I love in terms of the raw tools what 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 I've seen from him. And I think uh, I think four or five years down the line, I think we'll have a guy who's potentially an all star. And I don't think there's a better kind of environment for him to grow and learn than than this environment. That might be a little biased. Maybe if he had Braun, maybe that would be a slightly better environment. But I, I love kind of this culture that we have and I they're just gonna have to kind of pick picking because at the same time like we are trying to win basketball games and we don't really have the luxury of let's say a Lakers or Clippers where we can lose games at the expense of developing him um so it's gonna kind of there's gonna be some give and take with developing him and and maybe it coming at a cost at, at sometimes but uh all in all, love what we've got in him, and I love those tools. Have you been able to watch him? Yeah, I've watched him a, a good amount, I would say. I mean, I think that – I mean, he, he played, what, four games at Memphis. He yeah. didn't get a summer league. He got, you know, a couple preseason games, and then he's just thrown right into the fire with the Warriors trying to make the playoffs bro, this year. Bro, he didn't so even I have the preseason because he had COVID. Okay, so I think it's just important – um, in this age of social media and hot takes that people just take some time, take a step back and understand that this guy hasn't played real basketball in, you know, a year and a half and he's stepping in and he's averaging what 12 and six with a block and a half a game at 20 years old in what is, you know, uh, a really difficult division, probably the toughest in the NBA. No doubt. The toughest, the toughest, there's, you know, there's things that he's going to have to improve on, you know, you know, some sort of consistency if he's going to start shooting from deep it's not even that bad right now it's you know he's making one out of three um, yeah which is better than a lot of other bigs in the league right now um but no i mean there's definitely situations specifically on the on the defensive end i think where i see him being 18 years old 20 years old 20 years old where he just looks out of place it's almost like his god-given ability and the talent and the length that he has can kind of bail him out of certain spots mm-hmm. but I think that he's going to be, I think he's going to end up being a plus defender and, and he's shown that he can handle the ball a little bit. I mean, there's been spots where I think it was a couple nights ago where he was running a fast break and he didn't look like a giraffe. Like he looked like a guy that knew how to handle the basketball. He does, bro. He has a sneaky handle. Like I've seen him Definitely. multiple times go coast to coast. And I think, I think in three to four years, he can be that role guy. I mean, I don't know where Steph will be, but he can be that role guy making the decisions that Draymond makes. 
And you're 100% right with the – I think a lot of times he's he's trying to go for blocks that he just doesn't need to, and it, it takes him out of position. But that's just normal with a kid. And uh, in, the, in the, the pick and roll defense needs to get figured out. I think that having a guy like Draymond Green there that can kind of show him the ropes on that is totally. just vital. It, it, it's so awesome that they're playing – Playing him in, its, in this rookie season, and I know it's a weird season, but having Draymond there to kind of teach him uh, the defensive side of the ball, specifically pick and roll, is really important. Um, but no, man, I, I've, I've been really, really impressed with what he's done so far, along with just pretty much a rookie class in general. I think that there wasn't much hope or, or promise, I think, um, outside of whatever the top you know, two or three was, yeah. but I think up and down the solid. board, you've seen, you've seen talent guys that can, that, that just get plugged in yeah. that have shown, um, that they belong for sure. Yeah. Two, two quick things before we move forward. I think to that point, I think a lot of people, one, I think people just were like, okay, this is a down year class in terms of talent. Uh, but I heard a, a devil's advocate on Twitter that I think might have some merit to it. And I think a lot of, you know, you know, I think people were like, okay, it's COVID. They didn't get the normal workouts. They didn't get the normal pre-draft progress. Um, but I think what helped a lot of these guys is they just had so much more time off and they, they had a lot more time to work on their game. You know, like usually these rookies are coming in uh, a little bit earlier and, and they've, they've had just so much more time to, to get their bodies right. They didn't have to go through grueling college, uh, didn't have to deal with the tournament. And I think a lot of people on the surface would be like, that would be a detriment, but I think it, it actually has helped a lot of these guys in terms of them just being able to work on their craft. Um, and then with, with Wiseman too, I think another encouraging sign, just because I, I know a lot of the people that listen to this are Warriors fans, but he took the benching very, very well. And, and I get it. I maybe some people would be like, well, what are you going to say? Like, no, I'm not going to be benched, but uh, he handled that about as well as you could. And he understood it and he balled out off the bench yesterday in 15 minutes. So um, very, very encouraged with him. Let's let's talk about uh, a couple last rookies before we move on, bro. We can go with any guy you want. I have a guy in mind who I I think probably is on your mind as well. But go ahead. I mean, it, it, there's a couple that we can touch on. If we if we want to go back to point guards, um, I mean, we we could talk about quickly and Cole Anthony, who in the last week or so, um, I mean, quickly is about to take the starting job away from Alfred Payton. Can I tell you and, something, bro? I have a very very funny bet. Um, so my, so Kings in our league for, for, for those listening, we're in a 30 team fantasy league, David, my buddy, uh, drafted quickly 14th overall. And he quickly, no pun intended, jumped onto the, the bandwagon and circle jerk. And, and he was on Nick's Reddit every single day, just loving it. Just joining in with the Knicks fans, just jerking off quickly. And I was like, bro, I will bet you right now that quickly will not be the starter by game 20. And so we have a bet. If, if quickly starts anytime after game 21, I'm good. Uh, but if he starts anytime before game 21, I owe him money. So I am not a quickly fan right now, but I will be very soon. Um, one last, one last point. I, I want to go back to Wiseman really quick, which I know you'll be fine with. Yeah, I'm um, perfectly fine with that. Fan, the, uh, Kind of a random comparison, but the, the reason I'm doing it is because they were both number one overall picks and number one recruits in their class. But if you compare Anthony Davis's first season with Wiseman's season, um, they're pretty in line. Davis got um, 
Davis was getting seven more minutes a game I was than say, Wiseman yeah. is getting now. Um, but Wiseman, 12, 6, block and a half. And Davis was 13 and a half, 8, block and a half. And Davis wasn't even shooting from deep at that point. And now Davis Ooh, is bro. point shooter. Don't. Wiseman's already at 33%. Don't um, get me all excited, bro. Is exactly the same. So I'm just saying and their, their wingspan is both 7-6. And so I think that Wiseman could potentially, I don't know. I, it's a lofty, lofty expectations. It's crazy comparison Dude, to throw out there. If Wiseman, I, I think it's possible. If Wiseman is 80% of Anthony Davis, I will be absolutely thrilled. Thrilled, and I, I do remember. Yeah, I, I do remember Anthony Davis like coming in because he was super hyped. I remember not. I, I thought he was gonna get off to a quicker start than he did. I thought he was gonna have some sort of like a kind of like a Zion level type uh, start, and he didn't. And I remember it took him a little bit. So 100, percent I'm I'm not in any rush with Wiseman. I know he'll get there when yeah. he gets there. Um, and, and, and again, I mean. It's only, what, 18 games into the season, 17 games into the season, and he's at those numbers. He got those numbers after 64 games, right. starting 60 of them. So you, totally. you would only think that Wiseman would go up from there. Mm-hmm. Totally. But, quickly. You know, I mean, I, quickly, quickly, it's great. He might have the best floater in the NBA right now already. Um, the the guy's unbelievable. He was great at Kentucky, but then he might have joined – the team with the worst coach for rookies to get playing time, and the that, and the that fact that he gets the playing time with Tibbs is is very much telling. Impressive. Yeah, and then quickly on Cole Anthony, uh, I mean, he was kind of thrust into a difficult situation, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago when Markel Fultz went down. He was struggling off the bench, but the last seven games or so, he's averaging like thirteen and a half and five and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a high-rated recruit for a reason. He kind of struggled a bit at North Carolina, then he got hurt, which hurt his, you know, his draft stock. But I think he's a really talented player, um, and he's showing it right now. Yeah, my thing with Cole is, uh, well, I think right now, and this is not necessarily a long-term indictment on him. I, I just think his body is not NBA ready right now so i just think he's going to struggle to hold up with the 72 game season i if i were and i could be dead wrong but if i'm clifford i'm not pushing his minutes over 23 24 and i know they're kind of in a pinch with markel put him in a tough spot but i still like cole anthony long term i just he's just a little bit of a weird play you, you just see these undersized guards you know they rarely can be that number one guy and without especially without a jumper and he has a jumper but it's not like this elite level jumper but i so i'm not a hundred percent there on him yet but i do like him long term and with quickly i think my favorite thing about him is dude he's already for better or worse sometimes it's like he doesn't even need to do it but he's just really good at drawing contact already and you're seeing refs are like respecting it like he's getting the line he he picks up these ticky tack calls that you just don't see rookies ever really get and and that's something that's really stood out to me for for him and then just the confidence obviously as well um yeah i mean well, well, well he's not he's not afraid to go in the lane i mean because he just trusts that floater so much no I, I i think he's um he almost looks like a savvy veteran out there 
which is yeah. surprising for somebody as young as he is. But it's not just those two guards. I mean, whether Desmond Bain, I'm pretty sure he's hitting like two, three pointers a game out yeah. Memphis, and then Pritchard. Pritchard looked great. Like he forced it, himself into Jeff Green, uh, Jeff Teague's minutes. When do you Boston. think? When do you think the NBA GMs are going to stop having a clear bias towards second and third round players? Or sorry, second and third year college players. Like I get it, the the extra year of development's big, but especially when you're picking in like the twenty on range, like you're not looking for a superstar down there. Like you're looking for a solid role player. Like I mean, I know it's it's quick and hindsight's twenty twenty, but there should be no reason that guys like Pritchard, Desmond Bain, Xavier Tillman should fall. When they're clearly, and we'll get to the 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 next, probably the second best rookie outside of Lamelo Halliburton in a sec. But there should be no reason that these guys are falling just because they're older, you know. I mean, I, I would be interested to see a study on the you know the the young guys that freshmen that go to the draft that ended up getting picked, you know, in the, the twenty and onwards range versus guys that um, are upperclassmen that either get picked or go undrafted that end up having more successful careers because I can't really think of, of any, you know, freshman that goes into the draft that gets picked in that late, late first round, early second round that has ended up being successful versus guys like Fred Van Fleet or guys like Jordan Clarkson or Caruso or (laughs) you had to get Caruso in there. huh? But I do love Caruso. Especially, especially guards guys that know and you know learn over the course of two three four years how to run an offense and how to pick their pick their spots and how to facilitate a little bit better um seem to have more success and more immediate success 100 um, so i agree there, there definitely is that bias against against older it's older a clear players. bias and and i think that's that's 100 and, and i don't know i would love to hear in or at least like talk to some of these gms and scouting departments uh, and, and I get it, like in theory, a whole year. Wow, John Wall just pulled off an act. You will see that on Malaga tomorrow morning. God, that was filthy. But, I, I mean, Tyrese Halliburton, in no no world, a guy who shot 50-49 in college, was the, clearly the best player on his team, was clearly an impactful player, helped his team win games. Yes, it was in the, in the Big 12, but I, why is that guy falling to 12? Why are, why are guys taking Jalen Smith? Killian Hayes. Like he, he's. You can make an argument. He's the second best player on the Kings right now. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I, I, and I'm he fell. Sure, but that much of an argument. Like okay, he's been unbelievable this year. And at, at some point, they're going to have to can Luke Walton and bring in somebody that's defensive minded. And he, I would say at that point, he's going to get even more minutes. Yeah, I, no, he, I would say, and I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if they're going to do that to Buddy again, but I mean, he should be start. Eh. And again, this whole starting versus, I mean, it, it really comes down to just who closes and he closes the majority of the time. So I don't know how much it matters, but like he's, he's a more impactful basketball player than Buddy Hield is right now. Buddy Hield's got a strap and he struggles in just about every other aspect of the game, but uh, there's just no way Tyrese. Well. No, and, and Tyrese Halliburton should never, in any draft, go twelve. And I think the fact that the, props to the Kings 
for a for a franchise that has messed up their fair share of draft picks, and and yes, they're they're under new management now with Monty McNair, um, but th- they didn't even have him on their draft board. They were like, "There's no way he's going to be there." But the thing is, it's like honestly, yes, I, I guess the Kings made the right decision with the guy that was available, but you knew they were going to fuck it up somehow if Halliburton got selected where he should have gotten selected. <laughs> what do you mean? Like if Halliburton got picked. Oh yeah, they. Oh, he have <laughs> yeah, no, no, they they probably had like Tyrell Terry as their guy if, if Halliburton no, wasn't they, there. They Poku. <laughs> or Poku, bro. So many random, but but no, I agree. Good for them. They they made the right pick, and and it looks like it looks like a resounding for him. Yeah, and they needed that. They needed that. They needed some sort of positive light in sack outside of De'Aaron Fox, and at least those two look like the clear backcourt of the future. Um, any other rookies you want to touch on before we, we – we've already spent damn near 30 minutes. We didn't even talk about Ant-Man. Crazy dunk, cra- great athleticism. He's got a long way to go, though. Funny-ass dude, though. Yeah, no, I mean, there, there's nothing to me that kind of stands out. I mean, it was cool to see – uh, Tyrese Maxey produced when he got the opportunity when everybody else had COVID. Yeah. Isaiah Stewart has been much better than I Beef Stew? Be. Beef yeah, Stew's I mean, been uh, solid. Same, same thing with, with Precious Achua. When mm-hmm. everybody else had COVID, he performed well. Sadiq Bey is really good. Um, mm-hmm. We talked Obi about Toppin, Desmond Bain. Uh, I don't know about Z- Xavier Tillman has been very good, too. I think that's Girl, a... Remember, I, 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 it's same thing as, as yeah. Pritchard. It's the guy that, mm-hmm. that was in college for a couple of years, and he comes in, and he just looks game ready. Yeah. He was I, – I had a little post on Malaga before the draft, and uh, Xavier was on, on there in terms of my favorite prospects. And I know you, you texted me about him before the draft too. Just a guy that you can already – there were very few scenarios in my mind where he didn't pan out to be a, a decent role player. And I get, I get it, but I don't think you really – I don't think it's an optimal strategy to swing for the fences down there. Um, yeah, you can get a yoke, you can get a Dre, but it's very rare. All right, bro, we got to take a quick break and uh, talk about Anchor, but we'll be back and, and we'll get into some MVP candidates and, and the rest of the big storylines. We're back. Let's talk some MV. Let's get some MVP talk going. I'm going to read you the top seven guys right now, all of which I think have a shot, and let's just. We, you can lead us off and, and tell me who you want to talk about first, um, or you just let me know who you like out of all these guys. We got Luka Doncic plus 450, Kevin Durant plus 600, Giannis plus 700, Braun plus 800, Yoke plus 800, Embiid plus 1,000, and Steph plus 1,200. Um, I think all those guys have a shot, and I think uh, a guy that me and you both have mentioned before uh, who's an even longer shot is, is PG. Um, I... I I don't take I don't hate taking a stab at him at, at huge odds as well plus 3000. Um who do you got right now, bro? I kind of like I mean the, the, I wouldn't say that he's the, the favorite right now, but if Portland keeps winning games um and Dame starts putting up mid 30s um on an average, he's at plus 2000 right now for MVP. So yeah. <laughs> I think Portland would have to be top three. I, would I was going to say, but, yeah. My only thing is I don't I don't think they're good enough to get there without CJ and Nurk, you know, for me. Yeah, I mean, 
I haven't looked at what their upcoming schedule is, but right now they're fifth in the West. Um, mm-hmm. They lose games that they shouldn't be losing, and their defense is still atrocious. It's but atrocious, again, though. It's absolutely and, atrocious. And Covington has been god awful. And the thing with Covington too, the thing with Covington too is like. It it'd be one thing if like he was picking his spots, but the guy launches it every time he gets a semi open shot. It doesn't matter if it's thirty a thirty five footer, bro. He's pulling it. It's like it's like Damon CJ. He's just like I'm the third guy. Like I have the free reign as much as Damon CJ do. And to be fair, they don't really. To be fair, honestly, that might just be the mentality of the team because Gary Trent does the same exact thing, but. Yeah, dude, I, I just don't see the Blazers winning enough game without those two, um, even with those two. Yeah, I've never been the the biggest Blazers fan just because of that. Not necessarily a fan, but just in terms of me liking their long-term uh, output just because of their defense. It's like you got to score 120 consistently to make up for that yeah, at defense. Least, at least. You know? Yeah, they're, it, it's really frustrating. I mean – even without the injuries, I'm not sure if they would have been able to get top three in the West after seeing how bad their defense has been. Um, but no, I, I still any plus two thousand on Dame with the with the the numbers that he's going to have to put up with yeah. CJ gone makes me kind of interested. I, get I don't it. really love uh, I don't love Luca at plus four fifty. I just don't know if Dallas is good enough at this yeah. point. Um, Although he's he's rounding, we saw Chubby Luca the first couple of weeks. He's he's, mm-hmm. I mean, he's still chubby, but he's now in shape and chubby, and yeah. he's he's doing Luca. I mean, I've never seen a guy, honestly, I, since other than LeBron, and this is not an exaggeration. I've I've never seen a guy where the game of basketball just comes like so naturally. Like, oh god, you know, he, it, he also just makes it look, you, you know, like th- there's some players. I saw a tweet that I think it was it was a tweet that said something along the lines of like Kevin Durant makes the game look so effortless and so easy where Kyrie Irving makes the game look like it's the hardest thing yes ever and and I feel like Luca just because maybe it's the way that he paces himself he's kind of slow but he just makes the game look so smooth and effortless yeah and and you see and I think it's because a lot of times right like the the game is moving so fast but i think in his because he has such a good understanding of the game of basketball he's able to see reads way before the the defense even that like he already understands what looks he's going to get and so he's able to just when you're able to know what's already going to happen it's a lot easier for you and and he's just always so in control and you you just see it. He's able to manipulate defenders. I've seen it so many times now where I'm I'm trying to implement this into my pickup game where he's getting a high pick and roll and they're kind of they're sending two and they're two taller defenders, but he can see over them. And what what he has then is a the defender down low in the high pick and roll because they've already sent two up to the ball has a choice. He he can go kind of he, he's kind of in between both, but he can go to the guy at the three. Or he can go to the guy down in the paint. And what Luca does is he comes off that pick and roll and he looks at the guy at the three the whole time. Just stares him down. Moves, kind of like a QB moving the defense. Moves the guy who's guarding the guy down low out to go get the guy at the three. 
and then just tosses it down low every single time. I've seen it like seven or eight times, and it's just beautiful every single time. And it's an effortless read for him. And yeah, no, he no that, the, the way he plays in the his game last night it wasn't you know talked about as much as LeBron's game because LeBron was in Cleveland, but he just put up like a nasty triple double with thirty six points. And it was like easy. It was easy. It wasn't a James Harden. Yeah, yeah man, it, it's incredible to watch. And I, but, the but game's bottom, blessed. But like bottom line for MVP, Dallas needs to start winning some games. I the the I mean, the, Jokic, the, I, I think right. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no I was just gonna say that I think that they will be getting Dorian Finney-Smith, Josh Richardson, and Powell, and then eventually Kleba back very, very soon, which will help. Uh, I think a lot of people don't realize that they have played, I think at this point now, half their games, maybe even a little more than half, without those four or Kristaps. Mm-hmm. Which, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and honestly, it kind of looks like a down year in the West. You know, for, for West looks a little overrated. Needed, yeah. The, the team does look a little bit, or the, the conference, sorry. Does look a little bit overrated. Um, granted, the year is weird with COVID, and there's been some some detrimental injuries so far. Holy shit, Clint Capella's free throw! Oh my god, dude, dude. Clint also looks like Wilt lately. What? With the line drive to the right of the to the right of the hoop that didn't touch the rim and didn't touch the net. Hey, as long as he's as long as he's blocking six shots a game and grabbing twenty boards, no, the right Hawks now. will live with it. He, he, he's an animal. All right, but, I mean, we, we, I want to talk about Jokic. Yeah, the, let, that's up, talk to you. Let's talk about Jokic. He's putting up insane numbers. The only thing I'm kind of worried about is. He's averaging like what thirty-seven minutes a game right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if a big man can keep that up over the course of a seventy-two game season. Um, if he is, he probably should be the MVP if Denver's in the thick of it. Um, yeah. But I mean, honestly, it kind of helps his MVP race that Denver has been just very bad without him playing. And, and it kind of back to Murray not having a good season and MPJ being being out of the lineup, but he, he truly is such a valuable asset to Denver. Dude, it, it's it, for those of you that aren't listening, I would encourage you get whatever your favorite beverage is, get get whatever is your favorite thing, I, weed, alcohol, whiskey, cigarettes. What enjoy one of those and then just kick your feet up. And watch Nikola Jokic play basketball. Like, it is truly mind-blowing when you think about it. And I think if you showed these, uh, just a game of his to, like, someone 50 years ago who loved the game of basketball, they would be dying laughing. Like, it's it's just, we talk about Luka. Nikola Jokic is my favorite watch in the NBA right now. He completely controls the offensive game just single-handedly. Like similar to LeBron, similar similar to Luca, every time when they run the ball, when they run their offense through Nikola Jokic, you can feel like pretty confident you're going to get a good shot, whether it be someone else or him. And it's just incredible to see that level of passing, that level of basketball IQ in a 25 year old, seven foot big man. 
Yeah, no, he's a he's a treat to watch. It, and he still he he kind of he slipped a bit in the in the assist race, I guess. So, so now he's third. It's so he's early though. Averaging yeah, nine point three assists a game as a seven footer. But um, <laughs> and, and every time he's out, has to do with, I think it has to do with how Phoenix defended him the last couple of games. But uh, yeah, dude, I mean the. The, the nugget, if Jamal Murray doesn't pick it up, the, the Nuggets are toast. But it just goes back to I, the only reason that they're in the position that they're in right now is because of the crazy stats the Joker's putting up. Yeah. I mean, you and you've seen it. Like, I, I've had plenty of times where I bet on the Nuggets. And anytime Nikola Jokic is out of the game, that offense, I mean, Monty Moore's here and there. He can create some good looks. But and generally, anytime he's out of the game, the offense just stalls. And it's just like, you just really, really come to appreciate how consistent he can create good looks. And and he's so smart. I, I just when when talent and basketball mind blend, it is just my favorite thing. And you see it now and here and there with guys like LeBron, Luka, Jokic. Um, just in terms of, you know, create guys who genuinely genuinely love creating the best look possible. And I, I just you can see it. Sometimes he knows he has to be aggressive and he'll go score. Sometimes, like when I remember watching them versus the Kings, and as soon as Hassan Whiteside came in, he drew like legitimately three straight fouls. And it's just, it's just that level of basketball mind and skill, and it's just so, so, so fun to watch. And if you guys haven't yet, just you're missing out. You're missing out. Plain and simple. Um, let's talk about Kevin Durant, bro, because. Uh, I know for me coming in, like I, I, we went through, you know, the guys who have torn their their Achilles and, and not a ton of guys have come back from that injury better or the same from how they were. And we didn't have a ton of cases um, and we can even get into John Wall, too. But Kevin Durant looks the exact same. And I love it. I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, in terms of MVP, I I have some concerns about what his yeah. usage rate is going to end up being. I'm just talking him as a player. But yeah, as a player, no, he's looked magnificent. Um, he still controls the game, and I, I feel like he could score 40 when I, you know if he wanted to on any game. An easy night. 40. An average 40 if he wanted to. A really uh, easy 40. Yeah, and he still looks great defensively. Um, he... Who who were they playing last night? They they were playing. Yeah. He he picked a couple pockets that you just always forget he can do as a seven footer, and he, he just makes it look so so easy. Um, yeah, I mean that that's one that that's been one of the pleasant surprises I think of this season is just how um, how well Durant looks, and I think it's definitely going to put into question the the timeline that people are going to have have with uh, with players. Dude, sorry, you're breaking up a little bit, bro. Are you still with me? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, okay, you're back. You, all I heard was timeline, and then you went out, but I'm assuming you didn't say yeah. too much after. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, I think it's it's going to uh, – people are going to have to reevaluate, um, you know, whether it be trainers or, or GMs and coaches and teams in general are going to have to reevaluate, reevaluate the timeline. Um on which they bring back players that have that injury because he had a full basically two years off. Um, and mm-hmm. He looks just like he was before. So maybe it really is, you know, allowing your body to fully recover and not just rush it to get back for the following season. Yeah. And I think Clay should take as much time as he wants, but I think that's, yeah. 
that's honestly just a, a perfect segue into the Nets. Let's let's do it. That's the most interesting storyline, I think, in my mind, the NBA. And we can talk Nets, honestly, for the most of this, and then we'll wrap it up with a couple things. But um, they're 4-2 and two now since, the, the obviously, the huge James Harden acquisition. I'll just run through the games. Uh, 122-115 win to the Magic. Again, gave up a – I would – I would point to the 115 they gave up against an absolutely abysmal offense. Um, 125-123 win against the Milwaukee Bucks. Lost 147-135 to in double overtime to the Cavs. Lost 125-113 to to the Cavs. Um, and then most recently had a 128-124 win to the Heat. And then actually won a grinded-out game. Who, who would have guessed it? 98-85. to Um where do you stand on the Nets? Where are they for you in terms of a title contender? What are your expectations? What do you think their expectations should be? Um, as these, I think probably you could probably say the most talented offensive trio we've ever seen assembled. Mm-hmm. Pure um, talent. Well, there's two. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I agree. Uh, well, there's two things that I always do when I hop on your pod. Uh, one is I have to mention Alex Caruso. Yep. And the second, which is you I have, have done. My Check. Of, yep. And I have to give my stat of the podcast. So, all right, let's get it. Podcast that there has there has been one team to win a title uh, since 2000 that has had a that is ranked with their defensive rating um, 12th or lower. And that was the 01 Lakers. They finished 22nd in defensive rating. The Warriors <clears throat> were the worst recently, finishing at 11th. Which, which Warriors team was that? Okay, 18. Yeah. 2018. Yeah, that was. Um, that was. <laughs> the Nets currently ranked 20th in defensive rating. And nothing that we have seen in those six games has made me feel like they are going to. Yeah jump up 10 spots no they were even better they were better than 20th pre-hardened and then just yeah and i i don't want to hear anything about strength of schedule uh not valid they have the the ninth toughest remaining strength of schedule so all of that stat is to say they need a piece or two or three to come in um, and figure things out defensively because it's great that they can put up 140 points against whoever, some Joe Schmo in the East, but when things come down to it in the playoffs, they're not going to be able to score 140. I completely they're gonna agree, have to play, They're, they're going to have to get stops. I completely agree, and I, I didn't have that stat, but I, I just know from you know watching this game – you don't see title winners with bad defenses. And I'm glad you brought that stat to back that up. Um, and I, this is, I think you finally, because I've been the biggest, there's just a clear, there's 2K and then there's real life. And I think a lot of times people just get into too much of a 2K mindset. Not not you or not necessarily anyone, but I just feel like as a whole, fans are just too much a 2K type of GMs. And it's like, you can have all the offensive talent you want. And I know, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to use the Warriors as an example. Like I think, I think part of the reason people think in that mindset is because of the Warriors and because that worked out so perfectly, but I think there were clear. That was such a rare yeah, example. Uh, yeah, exactly. I think that, that team still one had to 
have a good defense. And there are a lot of reasons why it worked. And I don't think it's just, okay, put Kyrie, James Harden, Kevin Durant together and it just works. I, I know offensively that is a recipe to put up 130 a game, but it's going to definitely come at a cost on the defensive end. And we've already seen that. And I think that the other thing too, is like you can have all the offensive talent you want, but there literally is only one guy who can take a shot. And so it's going to be hard to optimize, but and, and they've actually done a pretty good, damn good job of it so far. But it's going to be hard to optimize all three of them offensively, you you know, and, and it comes at a cost defensively. So for me, I still have the Lakers as a favorite. I I know this might be a hot take. I got fucking burned by it last year, but I I still like the Clippers more than them too. I I love what Ty Lue's brought. I love kind of this new sense of revenge that they have that they're playing with. And again, it is so early. They could very easily do their thing in the playoff and, and fall off. But um, I, I, I don't, I, they have a ton of talent, but I, I, at this very point in time, I can't have them as a title favorite purely because of the oh, defense. I, for, for me, they're not close. I, I don't, I, I don't, just because they beat the Bucks in one regular season game, that, that in my opinion, I I totally agree with what you're saying on the Clippers. They are a much better team, and I think that they can turn things around defensively. Right now, the Clippers are middle of the pack. I think they're 15th defensive rating, but I trust that they have the pieces yeah. to go and do that. Then... Ty? What I said, you can you hear me? Yeah, you cut out for a little bit. Let's just keep going at it. Dang. Well, I was going to say, I mean, after what we both just said, we just went on a you know two-minute-long monologue about how teams need to play defense to win. I mean, that's why I probably would feel better about the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks, the Sixers have looked really good. If the mm-hmm. Celtics can pick up a big, I mean, I don't, I don't consider the Nets as like the odds-on favorite in the East right now, but you have all those people that are, you know, fantasy GMs or, or 2K GMs that think because you have those three offensive talents, it automatically makes... I was going to say, how many... If you had to give a percentage, what would you say the percentage of NBA fans out there right now that think the Nets are the title favorite? 25? Yeah, I, I, I would say 30 to 35, yeah. And I mean, I, I'm with you, bro. I, I still think um, uh, this might be a hot take. Yeah, I, I still think they're the favorite in the East. I, I do. I, I don't know, bro. I mean, like the... Who, who, for you, who would you put? The Bucks, Sixers? I would take the, the Bucks until somebody unseats them. Um, unseats them, bro? Who? You're right. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean, um, though. No, I, I still think that the, that the Bucks are a better team. They're a more well-rounded team. They definitely have their issues. But, um, I mean, I, I don't know who who is the clear front runner in the East right now. I, I can yeah, see I don't think there's a clear. The Sixers. I could see the Celtics if they make a move. But I, I definitely do not see it as a clear favorite. Like right now in the West, I think there is a clear favorite. I don't see that clarity in the East. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think if I had, we're going to do the, my whole favorite gun to the head. I think right now, if I had to, I'd go, uh, give me the Nets one. I just think, I think one right now, their defense is not going to be where, where their defense is down the line is, is going to be a lot better than it is now. Um, and then I just don't, I, we've seen it. It'd be one thing if like the Bucks, you know, had been there, but we, we've already seen time and time again, the issues that come with running the offense through Giannis in the playoffs. And, uh, I, I don't, think that i think drew helps i think middleton getting better helps but i don't think those issues magically disappear and it's not like this bucks team was like you know a game away i i guess two years ago they almost beat the raps but like this this bucks it's a different bucks team but the core of the bucks team lost in the second round to the miami heat you know like that there are a lot of issues still anyways i'm getting carried away i, I think i have it nets one I think Sixers, it's 50-50, Sixers-Bucks. I really think this is, I love what I'm seeing from the Sixers. I'll get. I'll give it to the Bucks. Sixers team looks good. Mm-hmm. And Seth Curry, bro. Good. Seth Curry, Shake Milton. Uh, I, it, it's a deep team. I, I like what Doc brings. Where, where do you stand on Doc? You think he's a good coach? I mean, it's so tough to, no. yeah, I was going to say. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he has, I mean, sure, I, I think he, you know, I think he handles personalities well, well. Yeah. I'm not sure what happened last season, but if you look at the results, I mean, he's, he's the coach that's known for not making adjustments when you need to make I guess him and, him and Bud. But, but, dude, but, but him last year, there was no excuse for him continuing to play an out-of-shape Montrez Harrell over Zubach. But, well, yes. I mean, okay, so who... Who were the additions that that Brooklyn would go after? I mean, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, PJ. I, I I think one. I think yeah. There's a couple trade targets, but I think the, I think as you know, as things start to get clear and clear, and teams start to kind of drop out of the picture, I think then you start to get a buyout market, and then that's where the Nets will nab. Because you see it every year, a, a title favorite will nab one or two buyout candidates, and I think. A similar situation happens this year. I wish I had someone better off the top of my mind other than PJ Tucker, but I think I think PJ Tucker is a favorite, really good example. If the Rockets are not in the picture down the stretch, I very easily maybe not even a trade. I could see him getting bought out and and heading over to uh, Brooklyn. Um, let's see, who are some other guys? Some just dogs that can bring tenacity on defense. <sighs> Who, who am I targeting? Dude, why is he not playing? Is he hurt still? George Hill? I, nah, I don't think George Hill's the... I, I, think that, I, think I need wing... Some personal issues. I, I, really I think Kid Gilchrist would be fine. I don't think he's terrible. He's I don't think he's... Defender. No, yeah. I, I'm. That's kind of the mindset I'm in is is wing defenders. Um, But I'm kind of drawing a blank on, on wing... Like quality wing defenders. No, that's that's why I'm in my mind more thinking of buyout candidates. Because yeah. you're right. I, I, I don't really think there are many straight up trade I, I wonder I wonder what the the price would be on Eric Bledsoe. I mean, I know he comes with a lot of issues, but I, I 
that's not a guy that I would mind um, if I can get him for cheap. Although he's making a lot of money, I don't, I don't know if that would even work. But I think that the, another the rich just got super rich. But I would have loved Wes Matthews if I'm a if I'm the Nets GM. Like that's a guy I would love. But he's oh, yeah. he's not going anywhere either. So yeah, can, uh, can we talk about the uh, quickly? I, I, we can kind of pair it together just because they were my two. They were my my two. My two babies last year, the Jazz and the Pacers, who have just been great this season. Yes, bro. I would love to talk some Jazz and, and Pacers. Let's let's start with the Jazz because I actually a couple weeks ago I placed a Jazz title ticket, bro. I put twenty eight dollars on the Jazz to win the titles. What was it at? Uh, plus two thousand eight hundred. So I'm getting twenty eight dollars to win seven hundred and eighty four. And obviously, it's not a likely outcome, but if you told me the Jazz won the title, I would not be. I would not say it is impossible. I think that this Jazz team is better than the Heat team last year was. I think that's a great way of putting it. I think they are. I, I could. The Heat were in it relatively. Yeah. No, and and it really all all it takes is obviously knock on wood. I I don't want this to happen, but it takes a LeBron James injury. It takes a Kawhi Leonard injury away from really them being close and and you've seen it like uh, a lot of these teams all you need is just give yourself a couple years get they got donovan and rudy a couple years in these playoffs to really like figure out how these playoffs go yeah and i know you know that because he's on your fantasy team he's been really really good he's in a rhythm we were we were waiting for him to just do something last year like he was such a below average player for them um and all they needed from him was a little bit. Now he's gotten back to, you know, not Memphis Mike Conley levels, but you know, close, close to the, no, yeah, close, close to it to where they are now, twelve and four. Yeah, no, and then, and then it's just a deep team, and it's a deep team where now that they've all played. I mean, they added Favors, who was actually already there a couple of years ago. It's a you you can just tell when you watch them play basketball. They have a very clear understanding, and not every team has this right now. They have a very clear understanding of the exact shots they're trying to take, what's a good look, what's not, and they have a very clear understanding of the the exact shots that they're trying to give up. And so every night, you, uh, it just comes down to executing. But you don't know, like even with the Warriors, sometimes they're running out there, and you no one knows. Like, am I supposed to shoot this? Like. Am I allowed to shoot this? And and the Utah Jazz, everyone on that team knows exactly what their role is and how they're trying to play. And when you have that sort of continuity paired with now a decent amount of time, I mean, you go down the roster, bro. Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Bojan Bogdanovich, Derek Derek Favors, Rudy Gobert, Royce O'Neal is so underrated. He's he's a glue guy that I don't think gets any he love. He is so important to that team. And can we talk? We got to take a quick break in a sec, but Jordan Clarkson is the next Lou Williams. And I love it, bro. He was an he was kind of cast away. If you if you asked a, a pretty in-tune NBA fan what they thought of Jordan Clarkson three, four years ago, they would have been like, yep. he's ass. He doesn't he does not impact the game in any way. And he is literally the next Lou Williams, bro. He is an instant impact scorer off the bench. Buckets. Yeah. He's the odds-on favorite. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, he's been he's been money all season, and he, God, he shoots so damn much. But he <laughs> yeah. 
he he's still taking the same shots he's always taking. He's just making them now. Uh, and it's kind of interesting how the Jazz over the last couple of years have transitioned from this slow-paced defensive team to like mm-hmm. you know they're pretty solid offensively, and I think Clarkson obviously helps that out with the second unit when they start running and gunning. No, exactly. That's interesting. I didn't even quite put that together. If you look at this Jazz team three years ago with a lot of the same guys, like there were their totals were always sitting in like the low two hundreds, and now they're up there with the best of them in terms of just pure pace. So uh, I'm with you. We got to take yeah. a quick break, um, but we will wrap up the podcast with with some Pacers and just because a lot of people listen our Warriors fans, and we're going to talk some Warriors too, whether you like it or not, bro. Uh, Quick break, and then we'll be back. We are back. Is there there anything else you wanted to touch on with the Jazz, bro? And would you have them? Who's more likely to win it, the Jazz or the Nets? The Nets. Yeah. Um, Just because they have proven playoff talent, you know, guys that have been there and won. Um, but I will say, I mean, they're, they're <clears throat> third in defensive rating and sixth in offensive rating. And mm-hmm. that usually translates to a team that makes a deep run. Um, so I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's possible. They do have the fourth most difficult remaining schedule, but I just kind of like how their pieces work. And now after <clears throat> after this whole thing happened with Shaq and kind of dissing, dissing Mitchell, they kind of have this like swag about I wouldn't want to face them. Dude, you kind of cut out, but you were saying the whole Shaq thing, which is kind of shitty. Yeah, well, I was just saying that, that they kind of, they've kind of like bought in around that. They kind of just have this swag to them that I, that I kind of like. Mm-hmm. Although they are getting, not blown out, but they uh, are losing to the Knicks pretty handily early. kind of nice. That, that loss that the Warriors had to the Knicks might might end up not looking so bad. Dude, I mean, the Knicks are just a battling, grinded-out team. They, like, they they play great defense, and if you play great defense, you're going to be in it every single night. They got the best defense in the league. Eighth in yeah. the East. Yeah. Uh, you you want to talk about the Dubs? Yeah, bro, let's talk some Dubs. I think for me... I kind of came into this season because, again, and I I think we've talked about it before, we all tend to gravitate towards or, I guess, see or are more prone to seeing all the slander, whereas someone who necessarily isn't a fan of the team is just going to maybe at at times just be like, oh, that's ridiculous and just disregard it. But for me, I came into this year seeing a lot of things, bro. I I came in seeing... um, Steph's the eighth best player in the league. I saw ESPN released projections where they're going to be literally they were projected 14th. Um, and I, I mean, I just didn't. I, I saw their win total, which wasn't as bad, I guess, but at, at 36, which is basically 50, like 500. Um, and I just didn't. I didn't get it. I was like, I don't. I, I really think that winning a, and part of the reason why I've never really been against these super teams either is because I, I really feel like it is so hard to win a title in the league, like in the, in the, in this association, in the NBA, it is so hard to win a title and, and you can have all the talent. You like so many things have to happen for you to win a title. Um, 
And so I just didn't understand why guys like Draymond and Steph, who have won titles for for a reason, like again, you you take them against. Yes, they had Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson, but arguably either the first or second best basketball player in the world with a Kyrie Irving, legit all-star level sidekick, a uh, little bit younger and very good Kevin Love. We won seven out of eight, or we won eight out of nine game finals games against them. And it's just like, I didn't understand why people were so low on it. I did to an extent, but I, I think people are starting to see, and it's still very, very early. We're only eighth in the West, but we're eighth in the West at this point with the toughest schedule out of anyone in the league. We now have the easiest schedule uh, for the remaining games that are out there. Um, and I, I think we're a lock for, at the very worst, a sixth seed. And I, I just didn't really understand the hate. How, how much Warriors game have Warriors games have you watched to this point this year? And yeah, what have so your have thoughts Steph, been? Yeah, so I, I have Steph in our uh, Lambda League. And so I, I watch, I don't know, 70% of their games. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, the Ubre thing has been a mess. Seems like they're trying to figure it out, but Wiggins has looked pretty good. Wiggins Steph has looked is, amazing. Yeah, and Steph, I mean, is putting up MVP conversation mm-hmm. type numbers, which I think he's going to need to continue to do. Wiseman has been good as well. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they've had a really tough schedule. They've showed some some grit. I mean, the comebacks against the Clippers and the Lakers. Uh where do yeah, you have them? I, I, no bias, no worries about me. Where, where you have them finishing? If you just had to guess at this point, from what you've seen. I mean, uh, <clears throat> at this point, I would say top six. Like, like we talked about earlier, the West does not look very good right now. Yeah. I mean, the, uh, you know, the Phoenix Suns were like the darlings of the of the off season, and they look good. <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't look great. Um, and now they're without yeah. Booker with, with a hammy, which is never good. We see top six for sure and potentially even higher than that. Yeah. And that's where I'm at, bro. My biggest thing right now, and I don't know how like, like super in tuned you've been, is uh, I talked about it with Jokic. I mean, you see it with guys like Jokic, with guys like Luka, with guys like Trey, James Harden in the past. The coaches generally, when those guys are on the floor, the offense runs through them. And I don't know, I don't know if it's because Steve Kerr was a role player in the league and he has this complex, but he like it's a thing on Warriors. He like actually thinks he's basketball Socrates. Like he runs these these communist offense where it's like equal opportunity. He has like Steph setting down screens for Kavon Looney and it. It's frustrating. I can't lie. It is It is frustrating. And I don't think we need to go Steph, Dre, pick, roll, pick and roll 99% of the time. That's not even what I'm asking for. But it, it just it, – there's this hesitation. And you saw it last night. There were very few pick and rolls run for Steph. Steph was not really in a rhythm. And then in the last, last seven minutes of the game, he came in and took almost every shot on every possession and put 15 – scored like six, 16 or 17 points in four minutes. And obviously that's not going to happen every time, but I just, I don't understand. Again, I think it has something to do with Steve Kerr being a role player and him have with the idea of like, in order to get the most out of a group, I need everyone in, engaged. And in order to have everyone engaged, I need them getting a certain amount of shots, but I'm not asking for Steph to shoot the ball 
every time. But it, it, there's, I have certain frustrations with the way the offense is run. And I know you've said it sometimes with you know LeBron and his passiveness, but it's the same thing for me with Steph. And and it's like, it's not even just passive. It's just <laughs> Steve Kerr has him running yeah. around like a maniac yeah. to create I, like a mid range shot for Kelly Oubre. It's like I <laughs> that when Steph is on the court. Like with LeBron James, LeBron James, when he has the ball, is going to nine times out of ten create a better shot than anyone else is going to create. So why are he, is he not having the ball then nine times out of ten? Well, and then it kind of forces Steph into worse shots, I think, over the course of the game than he would get if he was primarily on ball. Because Totally. You know, you know, I, I think of Steph as a great off-ball player, as I'm sure you do as well. But Steph was a great off-ball player player on those great warrior teams because he had awesome shooters around him that teams had to respect. I mean, right now with how bad Oubre is shooting, they don't two guys running around the perimeter with Steph for half the first quarter. And then Steph feels like when he gets the ball, um, he kind of just has to shoot. You've seen that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's they're... frustrating to watch as a staff owner because then he ends up shooting like three for 11 in the first half just because he's trying to get some shots up where he should just be honestly having the ball in his hand. And it is frustrating. It's a different kind of frustration than I have with LeBron because LeBron has the ball a lot and he chooses to pass the ball off to his teammates because he has really good teammates. Mm-hmm. Whereas Steph, I, I don't think if he had the choice, he would do that. I mean, Kerr is definitely trying to get everybody involved, which I, I don't know. I think they probably could have won more games if that you know if they were just giving Steph the ball more and having him yeah. run the pick and roll. And I'm sure he has some sort of reasoning and philosophy, but I, I'm glad you I think noticed he said that. what the philosophy was. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. think that's probably why it is. Yeah. And honestly, it, it I, I get the frustration because Steph's your guy, and Steph's my guy for fantasy. I want him to score a lot, but maybe he thinks that he needs to get these guys as many touches as possible, so when they get to the postseason, they're game ready and they're not scared. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's just the most frustrating thing when you. When you see, okay, all right, fine, you want to use Steph as a decoy and create a wide open look for Draymond Green or or Kavon Looney, it's just like I, I've seen that exact thing that you've seen where I don't think Steph has been optimized, and then as a result, he starts to shoot certain shots down the stretch that he, are are, are much tougher shots. A, a, like, yeah, they're just not good shots, especially. When you're when you're cold, he ends up making some of them. I mean, that's just based off pure talent. But a lot yeah. of the shots that he's forced into with the way that Steve's running his offense are bad shots. He's making them because he's good, but they're not good shots. And I feel like if you just put Draymond at the top of the key and let Steph run around with him, he's going to get great looks. Yeah, and, and on top of that too is like the best like. Steph is a great bad shot maker, but a lot of times in the past you've seen it. He gets those open ones first, gets into a little rhythm, gets downhill, gets a layup, you know, and then now he's right. cooking, he's feeling it. You can see that, like, you can literally see the bounce and energy in him. And then now you can start taking these fuck you shots because it's all good. You're in a rhythm and you have a better chance of making them. But exactly, when you have to take these shots. I will say I- Go ahead. I, I think it's helped out Wiggins. He's he's played a lot better, but 
Oh, wait. I don't know. I can't say enough about Wiggins. And honestly, Ubre was he was awful early on and and still offensively he's he, very little feel as an offensive player. Like you when you watch him, it's not just necessarily the missing of open shots like that I can always live with because they're open shots. You know, they're not trying to miss these shots like they will eventually one way or another regress positively or negatively. My thing with him is just like there's no wiggle with him. Like he's a straight line driver. Like if he has to make a move at the rim where a guy like Luca can just easily let me sidestep you. I'm already in control. I just now ooh, I have a better angle. Kelly Oubre has been awful at that sort of thing and on top of that when he's getting down because there's a lot of space when he's getting these straight line drives to the basket he very rarely is creating for someone else and that's Bro, just really frustrating the poster. Like, every time like, yeah, every time yeah and the poster's not always there and although it has been there at times for him but when you when you go for six posters a game you're bound to get a couple well, it, I guess I've been seeing that, but I guess I hadn't really thought about it, that he doesn't really have a lot of finesse. No, there's zero finesse, the bro. At all. You watch a Warriors game, anytime he's driving, he's trying to yam it. And if it's a layup, it's it's like I'm I'm literally just going to try and shoot it over you or through you. There's no, right. oh, you see all these skilled guys. You see a guy like Luke or James Harden. It, when there's a guy at the rim, it's an easy step to the side or some sort of motion to create an angle where it's just a clean look. Kelly never gets that, and it is pretty tough to watch. Well, and, and you don't even have to ask them to be Luca or James Harden. Like, just, you know, if you don't have great finishing skills, look to yeah. pass somebody else. And that's like, I mean, what Wiseman, Wiseman's just standing on the damn baseline the whole time yeah. to try to get him the ball. Yeah, and I think part of it is still just trying to, like, show the new team that you know traded for you hey look what i can do but it's like that again that's part of my frustration with kurt he empowers someone like kelly Oubre to take some of these shots when it's like there is no like we win we get the best chance of winning basketball games by getting the best quality looks and we get the best quality looks by Steph having the ball and Steph creating so like, yeah all right that's enough warriors talk for me Anything else, bro, before we head out of here? Anything that's on your mind? Anything that stood out to you? Really, anything you've ever wanted to talk about about the NBA, and that was your time. I know I'm putting you on the spot, but if there's nothing, that's fine, too. Um, off the top of your dome, is there anybody that, that has made a substantial leap this year for you that you didn't expect? Um, I've loved I – I mean, I know this will be an easy one. I have an easy one and then a not easy one. I've loved Seawood. I, I I always thought he was going to be good. Um, I actually owned him in our 30-team league when he was on the Pistons. But to see this sort of and, – and he still has a ways to go. Like, he's nowhere near, like, someone like AD. But, like, I've loved seeing, you know, the the faith that the Rockets had in him to, to sign him and, and Silas in the role and usage that he's had. I, I've loved seeing the way he's playing. I think he can be – I mean, he's still 24, 23. Like – he can be very, very good in this league. And another guy, bro, is Brandon Ingram. And I know he's struggled lately, but that guy is so special. And he's honestly, this might be a hot take to somebody. He's the closest thing that we have that we have to Kevin Durant in this league in terms of the ability to handle at that length and size 
not just handle but shoot over guys and not just shoot but create for others too he has a he's just such an underrated passer i don't think people really realize that and i don't think sam van gundy has done a very good job uh he's done a great job of overhauling the defense and i think that's probably the most important thing but i don't think he's done a very good job of optimizing brandon ingram on the offensive end um but i that guy is special like i would i, I there are very few guys that i would take over him in terms of building a franchise and, and just in terms of the younger guys yeah special bro yeah i mean Gr- griff asked me this weekend who my favorite player to just watch in the nba i said ingram um, yeah just because he he's kind of you know how everything is just three pointers and dunks nowadays. I mean, he still kind of utilizes the mid range, and he has that mm-hmm. like free throw line fadeaway on both sides. That mm-hmm. you know, he has great touch. And you're right. I mean, he, he is probably the closest thing we've seen to Durant. I just love watching him. But I think a guy that I have seen this year that looks phenomenal is DeAndre Hunter. And I w- I just love that call. Him you know, to be the guy in that crowded Atlanta rotation to make a huge what a jump, jump he he's up, made, man. Dude, he put up like thirty six against the Bucks. Yeah, no, he, I I've, he looks great. I've had, had a blast watching. I, I mean, he, now now he has that like real legit NBA confidence that he obviously didn't have last year. But I mean, he looks like a a wonderful lottery pick for the for the Hawks. So good, and I think he was a guy at the time that. Um, a lot of people were like, "Okay, I don't really understand that at four, But, dude, I think he played for Virginia, dude, and because he, you know, you don't expect somebody for from Virginia to come in and score thirty six points in a game against the mm-hmm. title contender, just because they play such a slow pace. But he looks phenomenal. Uh, I mean, and he's what twenty two right now? Yeah, bro. He he's. He's very young. The, the future is... Just turned 23? Yeah. I, I love DeAndre. Love, love DeAndre Hunter. I'm really glad you brought him up. There's a couple other guys, two other guys now that we're getting into this. Jalen Brown, man. What a jump he's made. What a jump, dude. That that Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum wing pairing is going to be special for a very, very long time, bro. He, he's like He's like a... Paul George, like he's better than Paul George was at this age. Like, yeah. it it's crazy the jump he's made just in terms of offensively how efficient he's gotten. Um, I love. I'm a huge Dejounte Murray fan too, bro. I, again, we talk about it in the league full of threes, and he he's he's not really like that, but absolutely fills it up. Is a dog on defense. I love what he brings to a basketball floor, and he's finally. We've seen flashes of it for a while, but he's finally starting to put it together in terms of, you know, just being healthy and playing 30 plus minutes a night and being offensively capable. I, I've loved what I've seen from him. And shout out real quick, bro. I mean, Troy Weaver. I, I mean, yeah, I was going to say, I, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Again, in a long way to go, but props to both Troy Weaver and props to Jeremy Grant. On, I, I did not think that Jeremy Grant was going to be able to handle this offensive load and be this efficient with it, and it's gone about as well as it could. Obviously, the Pistons are still trash, but yeah, but but to have Jeremy Grant scoring the way he's scoring and the efficiency he's he's doing it with is has been really fun to see too. 
Yeah. Um, Ian, last guy for me, I don't know what the odds are, and I know it's not likely, but the Pacers keep this up, and they somehow are able to snag a top two seed in the East with Sabonis putting up these numbers. I mean, he's remarkable, dude. He is so damn consistent. Dude. I love Sabonis. I'm not sold on him as a number one guy, though. In terms of, for me, okay, I've just and and it's mostly again, it could be a prisoner of the moment. But I've seen a, I've watched a lot of Pacers games recently, and I still feel like I can't go to him consistently enough in the post and feel like he can create the best look for me. On top of him not being a plus defender. For me to be like, okay, he's a number one guy. But he's a monster. It's so fun to watch his footwork, just how solid he – you know if he gets deep, any anytime he gets a deep, it's a bucket. Um, and I love him, but would where do you stand on him being a number one guy? And that's such a over – it can be overrated because no one can do no, it by I themselves. But I, I mean, I, I don't think that he's – and we have this superstar conversation all the time. Like, he's not a superstar. I think there's maybe, like, seven or eight legit superstars in the NBA. But, I mean, he's 24 right now, and he's averaging, what? I mean, 20, 20 12 and a half, and five and a half right now on a team that's going to yeah. be looking like a, a top three or four team in the East. Uh, um, he's just really impressive. And yeah. I didn't expect him to make this kind of jump. To, to the level that he's at right now this year. Yeah. I thought maybe in, in a year or two, um, but they seem to have figured things out. And Miles Turner is ridiculous defensively. I hope at some point they can get say, yeah. into that system. But they also don't have TJ Warren too. So if they are able to bring those pieces together before the playoffs, I mean that's going to be a that's going to be a tough out yeah. for the Sixers with- Celtics. I would love to see a, a fully healthy Brogdon, Karis, Warren, uh, Sabonis Dude, Turner. Brogdon. Brogdon's a yeah. fucking stud. No, he is. Just as solid as it gets. And then Justin Holiday has been really, really good for him off bench. And, and shout out Doug McDermott too, bro. Yeah, my yeah. boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's now a Portland Trailblazer. Well, I appreciate you spending some time with me talking some hoops, bro. Um, I really am planning on getting this these going once a week. So you will be obviously you're in the rotation. You'll be back uh, soon enough, bro. If you if you are down. Of course, bro. Thanks for having me. Of course, fun. appreciate you all for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Thanks again to Tyler. Hope you guys stay safe. Enjoy and enjoy, enjoy hoops while it's here, and, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.